Well, hello, everybody. You're listening to the Woodworkers Podcast. I'm Ben Bruning. We got Ramon Valdez and Philip Morley going on this evening. How are you guys? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. Doing good, man. Right on. Right on. Say, hey, we're super excited um, this evening. We've got a, a guest on, a uh, furniture maker, um, teacher. He's going to be taking over the, the nine-month program, the lead of the nine-month program of the uh, Center for Furniture Craftsmanship in Maine, and um, is from Camden, Maine. Uh, Timothy Rousseau. Tim Rousseau, Timothy. How, how That's you doing, That's it, Tim? Tim. Right on. I'm doing great. Yeah, <clears throat> great to be here. And it's, it's, Thanks for having me. Uh, it's awesome to have you yeah, on. I know thank you. All three of us have been super excited. About, yeah, no kidding. About getting a chance to getting a chance to talk with you. So, yeah, oh, likewise. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> so, Tim, um, you're taking over the lead at the at, at CFC. Yeah, well, well, might as well I start am. with that. Right. So. The Center for Furniture Craftsmanship's a furniture making school that's been in Maine for 26 or 27 years. Wow, that's awesome. And uh, I got my first, it says on my pay stub, first pay period 1999. <laughs> oh, wow. So I've been, and uh, that, uh, that first paycheck was co teaching with Chris Bexford back then. And so uh, I've been somehow around the school for quite a while and the uh i guess 15 years ago the school started out as a single uh a six-person school in the back of peter corn's house and then quickly took off and he uh moved into a, a little bit larger building for a couple of years while he built uh, um the first workshop building and so uh, in that workshop building, there was uh, three rooms, a bench room, a machine room, and a drafting room. And uh, we would have one and two week courses in the summer. And then there'd be these 12 week courses um, in the uh, fall and spring. Mm. And the uh, success of the school was remarkable. Um, Peter, who had Hodgkins when he was in his 20s um, and put into remission, got Hodgkins again after he had started the school about six years in. And so he quickly wanted to try to shore up uh, what would happen to the school if anything happened to him. And so through the summer workshops, there's a tremendous amount of retired professionals of uh, all over the spectrum of um, professions and uh, very successful people. And so he gathered some really great people together uh, 20 years ago um, and started to talk about turning into a nonprofit and generated a board and uh, was very successful uh, fundraising. And um, we then started to expand the school and we added on uh, three more buildings. So there's four buildings on the 11 acre campus. There is a, wow. a gallery library, the Taunton library, uh, the Messler gallery and the uh, administrative administrative offices. There's another building which houses a nine month program and a third 12 week course in the summer. And then there's a fellows building which houses <laughs> studio fellows that are there for one month to one year people from all over the world, from Japan, Denmark, Norway, all the U.S. states. And uh, we put in a large spray booth room, a couple of spray booths, and then we added on a turning center, which has 12 one-way lays in it. <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> so the, amazing. the pretty 
incredible place. And so the, the 12 week courses were remarkably successful. They went back in the day, you know, and there's just one room, uh, you know, one building schoolhouse with Peter would mail out the catalog. And on January 1st or 2nd, the phones would start to ring for the 12 week class. And we had 24 slots we could take for the two 12 weeks. And on that day, by noontime, we would usually have a hundred to 150, <laughs> 50 people wow. apply for those two 12 week slots. And then everyone, everyone goes to wait list. And uh, what we, they soon realized is that the um, course length that they were offering and the, uh, the content was really hitting a mark with a lot of people. And so we added the new nine-month building and put a, a third 12-week course in there. And that also just filled like crazy. Um, and then the idea of creating a nine-month program that would be a more comprehensive program um, came about. And so 15 years ago, that uh, got uh, initiated. And so Peter searched the world and found a man, David Uphill Brown from Australia, who's just a remarkable, legendary type. Uh, and so he got uh, coerced into coming and teaching. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, he, he, for the first five years, led the course. And um, just a fantastic maker. Just one of the, if we've all seen these makers that you watch everything that they do and you're like, oh, that, well, that's how you do that. I mean, <laughs> I remember um, one, in, I was co-teaching with Alan Peters at the school one year and I was assisting him with this other man, Peter, and Alan went to cut some dovetails at the bench and he's transferring uh and and he grabs his hand you know sometimes you'll put a board in the vise and you'll get a little spacer block to prop your board up on when you're transferring tails to pins and uh he just grabs this number seven puts it just in the way he would it's like the closest thing that he would have on his bench to, and none of none of the students knew what he was doing but Peter and I, who had been making for a number of years at that point, looked at him like, well, that's exactly how you would do that. <laughs> and, uh, awesome. and, and so, um, so then after David uh, did his five-year stint, there was a, a, a Welshman, Alad Lewis, who um, was teaching the mis machine skills segment of the nine-month course. Um, Peter asked if he would come and take the helm. And so, and Alad is one of these amazingly humble fantastic you know he uh, ran a multi-person high-end shop in london for a number of years and uh a guy can just make anything and would would never tell you uh that he's good at what he does at all you know, he's just <laughs> so humble so nice and so he he did it for 10 years and um when he decided to leave uh late winter you know Peter approached me and said, what do you think? And, and so um, I said, what, what the hell, you know, it's about time an American got the job, you know, get that Welsh guy so, out of here. That's exactly. awesome. Wow. So now so in, you say it, it, he, he did it for how many years, 10 years, 10, 10, nine month sessions. He did. Wow. Like back to back. So he was just, he was just there. 10 years that's what he row. did he would he would disappear to wales for three months during the summer and recuperate and then come back and wow and uh have it again and it's that's a bit longer you know it's, i think david kind of had it right which should be like a five-year stint it is it's incredibly draining you know our contact yeah. hours for the students are much higher than you know some craft schools are similar but we're you know we're nine to five five days a week um 
two instructors and an assistant circulating. And um, it's, uh, it's fantastic for the students because at any moment you can get input on what you're up to. But it's mm-hmm. for the instructors, you get to a point where you're just smoked. <clears throat> like you need a break. And, yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. You know, you need to disappear. And so, I can imagine. you know, we, teach, as, as you, know, you guys have done teaching also is like, there's so much to it as far as, all right, so you're trying to convey information. You're dealing with each person's technical ability, their personal uh, style of learning, their emotional mm-hmm. uh, stability. Uh, all, there's a whole range that comes when you approach a person at the bench. Some people need to hear it really gently and methodically. <laughs> Some people need to hear it like, listen, you douchebag, you need to just get in there and... <laughs> And everybody, everybody's different. And the good teachers, you know, can kind of do it seamlessly and they can right. tailor what they need and play the they, group. And they, they can, can read, read the students read the vibe yeah. and the room and the whole thing. And uh, so, so in spite of myself, I'm taking over. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's, ex- that's, yeah, really yeah. exciting. Congrats. Yeah. That's an impressive place. I oh, had no idea. That's, that place is super impressive. There's so many. It's, I mean, I mean, so, like, talk about some of the folks that have taught at, at CFC because there's, you just have this. Well, I mean, it, I mean, smorgasbord oh, of, of folks. I mean, the, the, the best folks out there have, have well, gone through. Another, another way to approach it is like, maybe let's. If you can think of any name, at some point, they've probably come through the school. And uh, so, you know, it, it, it go, like, for example, Tim Coleman, you just mentioned his name. I remember 16 years ago, co-teaching with Tim Coleman. We had this hinge display cabinet. We needed knife hinges put in. I'm like, Tim, you're good. You're, come on, you're Cronovian. Put these knife hinges in this cabinet for a way here, you know. So, you know, you yeah, get to cool. hang out with these people and um, uh, spend you know, at least two weeks, usually, if not longer, um, wow. you know, seeing, seeing their slideshows, seeing, uh, and so what, what happens is, is we've become this repository of knowledge. So there's the, the, there's the administrative staff, there's the director of the school. There is three main people in the office doing administrative and gallery work. There's a, uh, development coordinator in the office. Then there is three facilities people we have two full-time facilities staff one was um uh, a bit of a genius uh startup guy at netflix who can do anything with computers uh daily dovetails his um instagram mark juliana and he's just brilliant as as far as um he's got 3d printers see we got uh you know a shop bot cnc machine you know uh, can do anything you want there we have a Another facilities guy now is kind of a recent addition who is a Air Force mechanic who can just fix anything. You know, even, you know, the worst place to be a machine or a tool is in a school. school. Uh, <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely. Like, 
I remember someone saying, if you ever see something for free out in front of a farm, you don't want it. Uh, and and, and this, the same thing is, if you ever see a tool for sale at a woodworking school, you don't want it. You don't want that. It's been beat up. You don't want that. Like, yeah. like the router, we have all these screens on the router table routers, right? So this is like a little piece of mesh. We take the, um, call it off and we put this plate down because students would be taking like the bearings off of wing cutters and stuff and they drop washers in the router. Like, I don't oh think it'll God. really affect it. And then it just, it you know, be sparks fine. flying out the bottom of the router. I've seen, I've seen half inch shank router bits chucked up at an angle in a router. Can you imagine this? Putting a half inch shank router bit at a, like a 10 degree angle in a router. And then you're trying to profile an edge with it. And like there's only a certain range of sounds that come out of a machine. Room. You go in there like, Dude, what the fuck? How did you do that? And the worst part is like, that's a brand new router. We just yeah. got that fucking router. Come on. Like, you couldn't even do it if you wanted to. You like, couldn't even do it. How did you, how did you do that? You, Man, I, I was a lab tech like for, for years, for about, I guess, six years. I was a lab tech part-time at a, a woodworking uh, community college. And yeah, some of the crap you would see. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Oh, God. <laughs> it's I, I had a shop, we're, we're shop full of about, okay. uh, oh, it varied from six employees to 15. And that's exactly the questions that you would ask yourself. Or them? How how did you do that? How did you do that? How did you do that? And we're very encouraging. Like if if something breaks or don't don't feel bad, come. To, we just want to know about it so we can fix it. Right, and uh, right. we try not to shame anybody. So yeah, we've had we've had we've had everybody come through, and it's um, <clears throat> it's remarkable the the amount of information that gets deposited on campus oh, yeah. and so there's the facility staff there's kind of the regulars like myself who teach around and so you know we'll see like we'll be doing something a certain way we we'll have a certain process and then you'll see somebody do something say oh you know how we're doing we're not doing that anymore like this is so i remember <laughs> david Haig. i don't know if you know the yeah. name david Haig. he makes these fantastic rocking chairs in yeah. new zealand and and he's an incredible steam bender and so year maybe 12 14 15 years ago he was here and he were doing a steam bend and he needs a hammer to bend, hammer the bent component down to the form. And so I go and I grab him a dead blow mallet. And so he looks at me like, no, 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 I, I don't want a rubber mallet. I need a, I need a hammer. I'm like, so I bring him like a S-wing metal hammer and he beats it down. So at the end of the steam bend, I'm like, well, David, what, what do you got against dead blow mallets? And he had like never seen a dead blow mallet. And so he fi figured out it's filled with lead shot. And so he bought four of them, you know, I think while he was here in the state. And so that, I mean, there's just loads uh, of examples of uh, how, you know, how things evolve, like, especially like weird stuff, like double tapered lamination, like right. we used to do it this way and now we do it this way. And, and, uh, there's, so you know, I, like anything I else. Quick question about uh, on this topic, but so you're the, you're going to be the new lead instructor. I just kind yeah. of wondered how, how that worked. So do you have, is it scheduled out that you have in uh, like guest instructors that come throughout the time? Oh yeah. Period? So for the whole course is structured into um, many different segments, starting right at the beginning of uh, hand tool woodworking. You know, okay. wood moves, flat, flattening boards by hand, getting chisels sharp, cutting dovetails, and then um, 
ending up culminating the last piece is a chair, which is the segment I've been teaching for the last 10 or so years there. And, uh, and then everywhere in between, we've got marking, marquetry, turning, carving, veneering, uh, all kinds of crazy curving, uh, machine skills. Um, and so for each segment, there is a co-teacher that comes in, which we, which I am hugely reliable, rely on my co-teacher. Like we are, the three heads are better than one. And there's no <laughs> BS from me about like, I'm the boss and this is the way it goes. It's like, what's the best way to make this happen? Yeah. And, you know, right, honestly, right. Some of the most genius moments come from the students. We'll be talking about, yeah. you know, I remember years ago doing a finger joint demo and I had this one student, Doug Ayers, who had said, you know, once you make the, f in a finger joint, you, you butt the first one over to the pin and then you cut your first notch and then that's easy and you just leapfrog it over the pin. But now you've got to make the next one. You've got to get it exactly in the right spot to cut that first pin. And Doug's just like, why don't you just take that first one and flip the board around, put it on the pin and butt the next one to it, which probably right, nobody can envision. Right, and yeah. I'm like, that's just genius. Yeah. And like, yeah. So I call, Simple, I call it the, yeah, genius. Yeah, the heirs method. And so I always yeah. say to him, I say, so what's your last name? Because that's what we're calling it from now on. That's so, cool. yeah. You know, there's, there's no like, oh, this is we we're the all knowing ones. Right. Um, uh, we're just that's... we're just trying. That's awesome. Trying to make it make it happen. Well, I think I think that's one thing that that I think would be interesting to talk about is because you have so many teachers coming in. Before the before the podcast, we were talking a little bit, and we we talked about ego. Um, we were talking about egos, and and I think when you are in that environment and you have so many talented people come in, you know that the the less ego that you have, you realize that there's so much talent and, right. and, it, and the most talented people quite often, I feel, not, it, it feels right. like to me have quite often have the least amount of ego yeah. to them. The most, yeah. They're usually, the most usually pretty insecure. And it's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It, it's, it's true. And the, the um, you know, I, I, uh, some lessons I learned early on is that it, it, it's really no fun to be around someone who just thinks they're God's gift. And, you know, and, and especially in the summer, we have these one and two week classes. And so you've got two weeks with, you know, Chris Bexford, then it's two weeks with uh, Michael Fortune, and it's two weeks with ever. And so, you, wow. you know, you people will um, sometimes come in with this ego, like, you know, I'm God's gift. And it's like, well, just last week in here, it was the, the gospel according to Peter, and it was <laughs> right, right. On, honestly better than what you're talking about. Um, right. So we, we we get turned off pretty quickly by that. Right. Um, but the I do say this as uh, as we all know as craftspeople: if you don't want to eat cat food, you have to sell your work. And that there are some makers that are really good at. Right. talking about themselves and their work. And there's a difference, I think, in being off-putting and egotistical around your mates and your, but, but being able to talk yourself up in a crowd where right. it's appropriate. Right, and, right. and so there's, there can be a little bit of a, a you know, and I, I, I don't want to mention some names, but there's a couple people who are really good at that, who can shift gears when they need to and uh, talk themselves up. And generally, um, it's what the 
demographic of person who is buying uh, expensive furniture wants to hear you know they're sure. confident and and so but when the you're you're a new maker and you hear so-and-so blowing their own horn it's like what a douchebag but, <laughs> but there's there's uh uh there's there, there we you need to at some point say hey this is good stuff what i'm making here is really good and i can tell you why and uh, you know as, as you all know like customers can only handle so much detail like right and i right. you know at, I buy different thicknesses of Baltic birch ply and I vacuum it all together. So the core is really flat and like, okay, I don't care really that you're gluing yeah. plywood together to make it flat, you know, but I just want it flat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's definitely, a, I think it can be a, a tough, um, a tough line to where you're trying to promote yourself, but then at the same time that may come over like you got, you know, you, you think you're God's gift or something, which, which I think, you know, mainly with Instagram is what I'm thinking of. Um, yeah. It can be kind of difficult, you know, because it's like I, I get people asking me stuff and it's like, well, I'm, I'm not necessarily going to appeal to this audience because I also have clients that watch my stuff. And it's just it's a weird I guess it's always been around, but it's it can be very different. And I think what I notice is people just assume if they're not on Instagram, they're not good. And it's like, well, mm. shit, my mentor, who's the most humble person I know and just an amazing craftsman, he doesn't, he's not on anything, you know? So it's, right. it's, it's yeah, yeah it's, it's a much bigger world out there. So I think being at the school, what you're saying, I, I imagine it'll just humble you really quick or you just get your ass kicked out. <laughs> it's you've yeah. been around such amazing, yeah. amazing people. Yeah. yeah. Really- and the other thing I should say is we have amazing students. Like it just yeah. blows you away when you start talking to people. I had a two-week student the second week. He said, hey, do your kids like pictures of space? I'm like, yeah. And so he brings in these NASA photographs. They say, what do you do? He said, I run the Hubble Space Telescope. I'm like, no way, dude. Really? I'm like, 170 people. Yeah, and I had one. I had a a cinematographer who did Buffy the Vampire Slayer, worked with Travolta. He's this great guy from Malibu, and he came to a number of classes over the years. And um, he was in a class with – we had this guy, Rich, and uh, Rick or Rich, and he was the nicest, quietest guy from Canada. And so he got talking, and I'm like, so, Rick, what did you do? He's like, oh, I was in the military, you know, and first time I ever had butter was in the military. I was so poor growing up. And, yeah, and I'm like, well, how far did you go? Oh, I went pretty far, you know. I mean, like, well, how, well, why general, you know? And so then the, <laughs> the, 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 uh, the, the cinematographer looks him up, and he goes, Rick, you weren't like some, like, little pissant general. You're like the head general. He's like, oh, yeah, I was pretty, you know, like the nicest guy. <laughs> and, That's uh, awesome. That's so you cool. never know. Like, yeah, humbleness. Like, totally like people from everywhere you know architects like the new world trade tower architect you know there it's like crazy like um and you're like you're here doing this with us all right right. we can do that that's pretty awesome yeah i I have a pediatric um eye doctor who comes every summer um has a very successful practice in new york city and uh he cuts into kids eyeballs right and so yeah. he's like he'll be at his bench doing something and he's terrified i'm like mark you cut right. into kids eyeballs <laughs> and that doesn't scare you and you're worried about cutting these dovetails or something like come on uh, yeah. you know, wow. just, just you know or, or the 
orthopedic <laughs> surgeon once says to me, he's like, God, this is so hard. You know, bones, you just get them close and they grow back together. But this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just get them close. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, I, yeah, I wanted to talk something. We, we were kind of talking about uh, well, what Phil had alluded to earlier and a little bit of a spin off that is when you're talking to a customer and you're and you're wanting to explain to them some of the processes or techniques that you've employed in this piece or that you're going to and like you said they can only handle so much of those details and you're trying to you know show how much work has gone into it and this is going to last because it's a stable panel now, et cetera. So you're trying to show that but you, a lot you're of, trying to show that you know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you, end up and, just, yeah. you end up just over talking. <laughs> right. You can't stop after a while. Yeah. And, right. and some of that is just like, yeah, that's great. But, you know, if they don't understand the technique then it's almost, you know, their eyes start to glaze over or whatever. Right. Right. So, and I think that's, that's important with students and with, um, customers with anybody any conversation with your kids like once somebody stops hearing you once they check out mm -hmm. there's no you you and if you're not sensitive to that where they're at where like i i say like it, about 28 minutes into a lecture the group starts to go and so you, you either you got to say something like that shocks them into like you know about them up. Uni, unicorns mating on the top of their furniture or something that brings them back or uh, or you just got to accept they can't handle anymore. Like, we're right, done. And this, right. I think the same, because there's some customers of mine who, I have a, a you know, recently a, a man from Texas has purchased a desk for me, and he is so in the woodwork. He took a class, and he uh, gets it, you know. And so he, so you can awesome. give him the whole, the brain sure. dump, you know, like the whole, like, we do this on the shaper and blah, blah, blah and he just eats it all up. Right. But, like, I'm making this 10-foot-long uh cherry veneered table that opens up to 13 feet with a leaf in it and it's all curved and shaped and and it's for this uh german designer woman here in camden who does these fancy homes on the islands and uh and she doesn't care how it's made she just wants she she knows i mean she wants she knows it's going to be good quality but the process to her is of no value the end object in that she knows uh, <laughs> that it's well made and you know i could say karen and I, she's like that's very nice honey <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't i don't need to know that i just need to know it looks it looks good and it's not coming back so right 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 so i, I think i think that's uh, and i think in the teaching realm that's what makes good teachers and what's you know there's we've had a lot of good makers come through and that we've co-taught but they're they have a hard time packaging the information tailoring the information assessing where the person is at and delivering the amount that they need. There's a moment years ago that that stuck out with me. Alan Peters was, we we're prepping for a drawer talk and he's doing the drawing and I'm making these mahogany drawer sides and drawer slips that are going to glued on. There's thumbnail edgings in this whole like nine yard esoteric drawer making talk. And this student comes to the bench about a day before the lecture and wants to make a drawer and have a talk about the drawer for their little case piece. And so he, shifts gears and says basically gives him like this the generic drawer so this is what you're going to do like three eighths thick drawer sides you you know put a groove in it and then i said to him i said alan you know we're prepping for this other more complex thing is like he said if if i tried to explain that to that person i would spend the rest of my time here just holding their hand uh getting them <sighs> through this 
And so there's this understanding that not everybody can handle everything. And sometimes in the beginning, you want to give them everything. Like here's like how you can make a, you know, (laughs) a a sphere out of veneer. And it's like, no, (laughs) not for you today. That's too much. So, uh, and, and, you know, it's what I've realized over the years is like, I'm a, I'm a pretty good work woodworker. I'm a, I'm an okay designer, okay woodworker. Um, I can hold my own in the world that I live in. But in spite of myself, I'm a really good teacher. Like I, it's like a, it, it's like a, not something I aspire to do or train to do. I just went in there and I just could package information in ways that people can handle it and then tailor mm-hmm. it to different people. And, uh, and as you know, I had, um, this experience over the years, I've had, you know, the, uh, the, a man came up to me, took a 12 week class. I didn't really know what he did when he was taking class. He was the head of education for the state of Illinois. And if he came up to me after the class, he said, Tim, I just have to let you know that it's been for 28 years. What I've done has been the head of education for, and it's like, you are the best teacher I've ever come across. And then That's... another, uh, guy a couple of years ago, who was a Yale undergraduate, Harvard MD, um, was a 27 year doctor, you know, he, at his end class, he said, this is the best educational experience I've ever had. And so I, I don't like to blow my horn in, you know, any real dimension truly, but it's one thing I've had to embrace is that in spite of myself, for some reason, I can <laughs> communicate information and, and take a, take a group of people and kind of create an environment where we're all in this kind of supportive, harmonious, enjoyable uh uh space where yeah. we we learn a ton and have a great time mm-hmm. that's fantastic you can you know conveying that information is way different than somebody that knows all that information you know because there's fantastic makers but they might not necessarily make a good teacher right, right so right. that's some people don't know when to shut up you yeah they like <laughs> they want to give they want to give all, and it's all good stuff, but like, it's too I, much. I give this yeah. analogy. It's like, if you were going to hitchhike from here to Minnesota, right? It's closer for you, Ben, than it's for me. But, and you say, okay, <laughs> when you get to New Jersey, there's this guy who might try to mug you in New Jersey. And then once you get over here, there's like, and it's <laughs> right. like, and you might, like, you can't tell everybody all the pit stuff. Like, say you're going to make, like, and, and remember when you come around the corner there, like, you might blow some of that out. So you got to back up at this point and climb, cut it first. Like, they're like, their eyes are spinning. Like, they're like, which router should I use? You know, like, and then they're they just confused even, and, and they're so it, confused. it backfires. No. And so what you got to do is you got to let them go. This is what you got to go hitchhike to Minnesota. Right. And then we're going to have a discussion. And then at the end, they get to Minnesota and say, you remember that dude in New Jersey? So when you see him, you go to the right. And then they're like, oh, yeah, that'd be yeah. so much better if I went to the right. And then they have a they have a place to put it um, right. because otherwise too much, you know, too much is too much. They yeah. need to have some foundation right, right. where to place it. Yeah, absolutely. So here's a question. Yeah. Can creativity be taught? Well, I think creativity can be removed is what I've discovered. Uh, uh, I don't know if I should get too far into that, but uh, <laughs> one, one, one thing we have, we've had a, a lot of, awesome people come through on the GI Bill. And one thing we have noticed is that a lot of the uh, 
the people who have been trained by our armed forces have a hard time thinking on their own creatively. Oh, that's interesting. Really challenged by it. Yeah, and um, they're crazy. incredibly good at uh, – if you give them the steps, they get it. No problem. Sure. But the, but the, um, the, it's, it's a big struggle for them. So I do, I do this, but then can it be taught? Everyone's like on a different spectrum on that, mm. uh, that front. And, you know, what I have come to really know is that all of the technical stuff can be taught. Some people are naturally better at technical stuff uh, than others and more, uh, adept at maneuvering through the making of things, but um, the design end of the spectrum, the creative end of the spectrum, is another kettle of fish. And right. in the end, I think is the most—I uh, don't want to say important, but rewarding, diverse, dynamic, long-lived. Like you can make something brilliantly. Like that thing is brilliantly made, but it doesn't sing. And there's certain mm. objects that sing. Like you take a Hans Wegner chair. And it can go on the Upper East Side of New York. It can go in a country home or ever. And it is so dialed in. Uh, and there's objects like that in our world that and, are... And, and timeless as well. Timeless. Completely timeless. And as you start to pull, like having done chairs for a long time, and we make a lot of different chairs, you, you start to digest some of these classics, like have students build them and see like subtle tapers and things and like oh it's right. so much fucking harder to make that that way but but once you remove that to dumb it down it kills it and so you take an object that is that has struck that chord and is resonating beyond just what it's holding your underwear and socks in it that there's something <laughs> to it uh that that quality is really hard to get to um, mm -hmm. because I think what, yeah. what we're all uh, uh, guilty of is in the beginning, we want to show that we know how to do this and that, and this and that. We start the techniques. We, we, we throw all kinds. We put this, it it's all in a, there. <laughs> so it's like you put it in the blender and pour it out and there it is. It's got, <laughs> I've got a little bit of mark, <laughs> marquetry on my tapered inlay, tapered this, and it's like, woo, awesome. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and then I carved it. <laughs> and I carved it. Right. And, um, and then, you know, I, the way I started out is I went to the school and then eventually I ended up back in New York City. Um, and I shared a shop space with a guy, Tom Hucker. And if you don't know who Tom Hucker is, he is, um, uh, I mean, there's so much to talk about. So he is a man who has pieces in the Renwick, Renwick Gallery, the Smithsonian, the Yale Private Collection, the Museum of Fine Arts Boston, a piece auctioned off at Sotheby's for 44 grand that he made when he was 17 in his parents' basement. Jeez, uh, it goes, And he went studied in Milan. And so he was part of, he was a student of Jerry Osgood's at the program in artistry at BU, which this unbelievable... Uh, world collided back then with people like Timothy Philbrick and Garrett Hack and these incredible makers coalesced for this short period and these uh, long-lived makers. So I end up in this sharing a bench space in a 6,000 square foot old jello pudding factory in Hoboken, New Jersey with this guy, Tom Hucker. And, um, and, you know, Tom would throw these drawings in the trash and I'd be like, Oh my God, like if I could just make that, like I'd be <laughs> set. And, um, and, uh, you know, he, he would say to me, he's like, Tim, you know, I think it's important when you make something, each piece, you're just expressing one idea, you know, like this is the idea of this piece. And uh, it's so 
easy to uh to to load it up to be too much to mm. it's hard to be simple it's not easy to right um and that doesn't mean to not make fancy ornate things but to just understand like if you look at um the john and thomas seymour work um i don't know if you guys are familiar with uh their work it is yeah. mind-blowing period furniture uh, made here on the East Coast that, and I'm, it's not really my cup of tea, that style of work, but it blows me away at how proportioned it is, the color, it's just, it's just killing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you see work like that, you know, you're like, that's it. That's, mm-hmm. that's, and that is like, like I think Ramon said, it's timeless uh, and it can live anywhere. Yeah. And, um, and that's, so to teach that, like, that is something, it's like students come and I say, like, listen, you're here for three months, you're here for nine months. Imagine if you went to learn the violin for three months. <laughs> and at week two, we're going to uh, ask you to compose a piece. Like, it's insane. <laughs> you know, like, right. where would you, where would you be? It's the, you know, this is a craft that we're doing. And this is a long lens thing that we're doing and so you have to cut yourself some slack everyone starts where they start and we get where we get and uh you know to compare yourself with somebody else it's you know it's not like racing remote control cars where you go and get a different motor it's like there's i'm doing my thing you do your thing and you know, right right yeah you know from teaching i it always cracks me up every now and then you get a student and um you know, it's, it's advanced with weapons. So before that class, we've taken two other classes. So they've done about, you know, 20 classes by the time they get to this, to this class. And they'll get mad at themselves and frustrated. So I'll demo something and show them it, and then it's done, and it's, it's right, and it's, it's what it's meant to be, and then they'll do it, and it's not perfect. It's okay. It's fine. It works. And they, they would always get, this one lady would always get mad at me. She goes, you always say it's close enough, but it's not right. You know, and I'm like, hey, I've been doing this for a while. I still, <laughs> so you've only taken 20 classes. Go right. easy yourself. <laughs> you know, it's right. like, it's, it's right. cold advanced woodworking. It really isn't, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some and we know our, it, it is interesting. Our um, I don't know, maybe the, the world we live in, um, people put this weight on, like, if they're a good person or a bad person, if they can cut nice dovetails right. or not. Like, and I don't know if it's, it's like, and that's the way it is in other crafts. Like, if you're a potter and you can't throw a, a cup on the I'm wheel or something, you're... <laughs> I'm a bad person. Like I'm, and I say this, I'm like, in the dovetail lecture, like, listen, like we have this fucked up thing in our world. Like if you can't cut nice dovetails, you're a piece of shit. It's like, you got to let that go. Like this is just one aspect. Yeah. Where'd that come of, from? Yeah. Of, of you know, I let, I, I, I let, let that go. come into me. I let that bug me. And I tell my wife, I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to start practicing dovetails. I used to be pretty good at them. And she's like, why are you doing it though? Do you, it, is it to help your workout? I'm like, right. Right. No, it's because they were on Instagram <laughs> showing off their ego dovetails. thing. <laughs> and Philip, when would you have three extra minutes to practice dovetails? Like I in know. your life with all your kids. Like I you know, I know. But she did. She's like, why don't you focus on like yeah. something that you can actually put into your work? And But it, it is. It's a weird thing. I, I'm glad you brought that up. So <laughs> I, yeah. used, I used to be a good person and now I suck then because I used to do, I used to do a lot of dovetails and I haven't done them in so long. And it's kind of oh, funny, you, you know, you hear that dovetails are the sign of craftsmanship. 
I actually yeah. have a buddy that I've his, his pretty, woodwork yeah. is strict, strictly dovetails. He couldn't put a drawer together if he if he had to, but his dovetails right. technique is fantastic. But that's all he does. Right, right. You know, he's an engineer. Right. Like and that's, he doesn't really care about anything right. else regarding woodwork. But dovetails, he's right. got that master. I know. <laughs> it's, it's like you go to. You go to the gym and you just work on your calf muscles. You, know, you just get these <laughs> massive calf muscles. That's, that's what Ramon's been doing all off of That's what I mean. Yeah. I know. I <laughs> know. Just, just doing my, my cheek muscles. Uh, cheek yeah. muscles. Work those cheeks. Yeah. So, so, and I do think, you know, people who, they, you know, the, the, the people who only can escape for a week or two weeks and come out and they really want it to go well and they want to, you know, and they don't have the time that we have to get better at things. And so they, right. they beat themselves up. And, and then it does tie into the whole like emotional place of the person where it's, you know, what I have really come to know in our three month class, the demographic of person is coming for not just specific training, but they're coming to Maine to work with their hands. They're generally in some point in their life, they're thinking about changing careers, changing their relationship changing something and it is it's a pivotal it's a point in their lives where they can be expressive creative and they have this uh transformative experience and that um uh to understand that that's as big a component of what's going on here as it is if they're able to make a tight joint or not that there's Mm -hmm. there's 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 more more here than just if somebody knows how to you know Cut a tenon right. on a saw, or so. Yeah, design and creativity. Um, what what is that saying about uh, the main? How does that go? The the good ones borrow and the great ones steal, or something. Yeah, that, that Picasso the, quote. Yeah, yeah Picasso. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's I, th- I think that's true. No, the, no, it's a it's a Picasso quote. The good ones borrow and the great ones steal. Pablo Picasso. And, sometime and who that's probably bullshit but that's you can find out <laughs> but if you somebody still like you, you you take hans wegner you look at he's pulling from ming dynasty chairs early on he's playing right. it in his own way and he's pulling it off beautifully and then there's some people who have tried to copy ming dynasty chairs uh i won't mention any names and are in uh, exhibition and they look like it's like trying to fight an 800 pound gorilla you cannot mm. go and make one of those chairs in without the understanding of what's going on there. But you, if you're someone like Wegner who can riff on it, like you take like Miles Davis is going to play, you know, I'm going to play a a Beyonce song by Miles Davis is going to be an interesting take. All right. You know, it's like, okay. So, but so you take somebody like Wegner, like he can do it, you know, but you have, you've got, you've got to understand, I think the essence of what makes that fantastic. Like this, this is this is the essence of what what speaks to people when they see it. The other thing that I think I need to say, and uh, we don't acknowledge enough, is that we make objects that go into people's homes and residences or wherever and create the environment. And so the French word for furniture is mobile, which is basically mobile architecture. And we are creating what I think we forget. It's like, you're in your shop. I think I'm going to put blue wood on it. It's going to be so crisp on the edge. And, but then it like comes into the house and like, it makes no sense with anything else. Uh-huh. And I think right. working with designers where they're seeing the whole picture, they're seeing the environment, 
they're seeing? Like, how does this create the environment? What are we trying to live with here? And I think that idea, so there's being creative and I can have, like everyone in the beginning wants to like make the piece that speaks to a generation. And I say, everyone, there's a van that comes from the Metropolitan Museum here every week. Your piece might be in it this week or it might not. But uh, <laughs> like, they, they think this first piece is gonna go like to the Met. It's like, dude, no, 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 no. That's not the way it works. Like you've got to make a lot of bad paintings to make some good paintings. <laughs> yeah, and you've right. got to just start to, um, see what's happened before you know how to I when people say how do I learn how to design I'm like oh, you don't like it's I mean there are things you can learn about design and proportion and blah 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 in exercises but you just need to see what has happened before and look at that and look at the greats and it doesn't just have to be in furniture like this these books fade and design classics which has like bronze clocks and toasters and why are these things objects that we all love mm. and you know trying to pick up on what that is the proportions of things and the symmetry and asymmetry and um Gold, you know, and, and golden rectangle this, and all that <laughs> yeah to yeah to, to some extent but even beyond that like what is it that right. makes this it? thing yeah. awesome why does that resonate and, with me yeah yeah or what you said yeah. earlier which i really loved is when a when a piece sings it just it people are looking at it and they and they they they're resonating with it they love it right and they they couldn't even yeah. they can't really even they pin, can tell you why point yeah. the reasons yeah no, right, right. no it's more than the sum of its parts and it's it's so wonderful to see and i think it's important for for us to see those real pieces like to have you know uh you know, I bring a bunch of different chairs in and some some really nice chair like man like it's a Finn Huel chair and that's like pow look at that every angle he's got it you know it's just cool and you know it's yeah. or uh or you know going to um you know going to museums and seeing some of those uh those pieces of not not just like old shit but like you know like seeing like you know uh the arts and crafts stuff that was like you know uh, kind of that Macintosh type stuff, the era, you know, tangents of arts and crafts. It's not just like oak, stickly U.S., but like, you know, um, some of the names are escaping me. But just some of that fantastically made, uh, uh, interesting work. Right, so, right. Yeah, and at, at, at times, you know, the getting back to the idea of you know these things that are kind of universal, like they're, they're universally. Um, accepted or, or not accepted or un universally adored there, there are things mm. that are just that are just right and uh, and it's right. kind of looking at those things and then trying to dissect those things that that you see that that sing and and you try to and try to dissect that a little bit and all right now why does it sing why is this object why why does yeah. it just look right what what are the what right, are the right. the ingredients in that and usually it's going to be a few ingredients and it's going to be just a couple of yeah. small simple ingredients and it's yeah. not going to be yeah. this you know this um yeah. incredibly complex thing a, a right. simplicity and, and it's right. and it's usually built upon what came before and that's the, yeah it's not it doesn't think it's not, we get really it's not caught too up far out that. on a ledge it hasn't gone right, way out right, it's right it's just it's like yeah. it's just an original design it's it drives me crazy that's a good it's point. like well it's it's no it's it's all kind of been done and you're building upon what's what's already been done if it was so original it's probably not gonna be like i mean you're building upon things that have been proven things that right that, right that are, yeah. that are 
that are proven. You're not going. You're absolutely not going yeah. out on some absolutely. crazy long, yeah. big limb and you know right. seeing something new like right. that, <laughs> like that sweet yeah. desk you just did a while back. Yeah, so let's talk. So, let's talk about oh, yeah, those the, things. We, we've got the modern modern Danish desk. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and Beautiful. so that um, that desk that video is now out on Fine Woodworking's website. So it just oh. uh, Ben Strano came up and we did a. I did. I made that desk and John Benson contacted me. We did. Um, they were adding a segment to the magazine called Designer's Notebook, and they asked if I would write a little, a little bunch of lies. And, uh, <laughs> so, uh, a bunch of crap. So I just, I just wrote kind of how I came up with the idea. And, um, and, then, uh, and then they said, uh, well, let's do a video on it. So I guess Ben was up last fall, and we made a video, and they uh, finally just put it out on the website now. And that, oh, I'm going to check it out desk actually uh that specific one ended up in the gallery show at the school the front the faculty show gallery um every year at the school we, there's a faculty show so makers who teach there from around the world send in a piece and so and that desk actually just sold out of the show which is fantastic nice. so i got paid to make a video and pay yeah. to sell it so makes it makes it, it. Well, makes it all worthwhile ding, ding, ding. yeah yeah and uh, i uh, heard i heard that you don't usually use uh, yellow glue Oh me? Big, yeah, well, for doing big well, glue ups. I, I will often. <laughs> um, ben was talking yeah. about the the video. Yeah. <laughs> we just met Ben. Yeah, uh, Ben's in cool. Vegas. He's, yeah, it's <laughs> Vegas. Guy. He's a Vegas. Guy. Uh, well, so you know, be, because of the uh, the timing, like if I right. used epoxy, it would have been a too long a of wait. a <laughs> setup, and so we needed to keep the so. I knew I could do it, but it was going to be a harried moment. Um, there's also a, a, <laughs> awesome. another, another one I did for fine woodworking where I made a pedestal table where I, I just had to glue the, the trestle feet on with yellow to keep it moving for the next day so I could get finish on it before they left. And, uh, and there was, this, you know, I've got these big badass bar clamps and I'm pulling this thing together and the camera guys are like, I don't think this thing coming again. I'm like, it's coming. Trust me. It's going, but it's going to be a minute. <laughs> and, uh, give it a sec. <laughs> give it a sec. And then that final snap and every snap pops in like, place. There it is. There it is. There she goes. The, the editor comes and he's like, I got to tell you, man, the ball's on you. It's like, we do this whole thing. You got no other pieces for a safety net. Like, if that didn't go together, you're totally fucked. And I'm like, no. You know, like, you, like, you do it enough. enough. You know yeah. you know where the parameters are. It's like right, evil can right. evil. Like, yeah, I, I think I'll get it. Yeah. It is. A, it's amazing. That's just like anything. It's something that gets learned. But I remember one of the first big glue-ups I did with my mentor, uh, who I apprenticed with for seven years was a crazy minded like church altar thing. And I'm fitting each like slip tenon and I'm fitting them and the, you know, they're perfect, but just by themselves. And there was like 20 right. of these things. And so I'm bringing it together and I didn't even bother to ask him. And I'm like, I've glued up enough before. And I'm like banging it together. And I mean, this thing was not coming together. So I was just going to stop Japanese cut it. He comes in yeah. with a sledgehammer and a big blanket and like just right. starts pounding on it and it closed up and it was perfect. It was like, <laughs> God dang. <laughs> like it was there's, nothing, you know? Yeah, I, I know. It's like, awesome. right, in, there's, go ahead, Ramon. I was just going to say, there, I, I beam clamps. 
<laughs> I-beam oh, clamps. Yeah, you get those yeah, Jorgensen those I-beam clamps, dude. It's like, <laughs> yeah, uh, bring it pull home. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some, some totally. Because, like, you know, because absolutely we got some in the corner at the school and you know when someone's running for those it's like somebody didn't quite but right. but i do you know you know thickened epoxy we use this epoxy called epotech which is made for the fiber optics industry it's for the computer industry they make all different stuff um, and we use this thickened epoxy jerry osgood turned us on to it years ago and uh it's like now we're all strung out on you know oxycontin like we cannot like <laughs> you just want to glue everything together with epotech because i remember we were going for a class tour it's 11 o'clock we we're going to go run to another maker's down the shop shop is going to be like an hour tour somebody's gluing up a chair it's got epotech spreading the parts I'm like all right it's time for the tour and everyone's like well dude just come on you're fine you know you can come back and glue it up and you come. so it's like you've got an hour and a half to just wow you know, that's crazy. awesome so is that something you have to together. mix um, you, it's, you mix yeah, two that? parts yeah 50 50 it's a right. ubiquitous wood brown. It's just you huh. know slides together, and yeah, that's, that's pretty the cool. way. And then it's it, you know, it's for, funny how you just you do what you you're used to. But I've I know a lot of people. I've actually know several good friends of mine went to CFC and they used a lot of epoxy. And they're always like, "Man, you you don't use epoxy?" I'm like, "I just I've never used it." So it intimidates me, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But it makes a lot yeah. of sense. I definitely. Th- I thought you did a lot of uh, epoxy pours, Philip. Like no, that's 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 different thing. Let's not, let's not talk yeah. about that. Yeah, I'll tell yeah. you. Once you switch to, especially for complicated carcass work, right? Like, this whole like, um, you know, a, a yellow glue mitered carcass, getting it together, and it's like, you know, it's like somebody dying on the hospital table, and you're just happy that their heart's barely beating at the end. So it's not really square, <laughs> and the miter's not really close, but we can take care of it. You know, we'll make it happen. But when you've got a a, a glue that's got an hour for you to, you can go to the hardware store and buy anything you need. You know, you can go take do. lunch. Go have and lunch. So where's my clamps? Go take lunch. I'm going to the bathroom and I'm going to check my feed and I'm going to, you know. Take a shower. Just put it together. Do a, do a post. Get it. Get everything squared up. It makes, you know, no sense. And this is one thing that I say to the students right now. So we live on the coast here in Maine. We have boat builders all over the place. 300 years ago, 200 years ago, if those makers could have driven to the coast and bought tubs of epoxy and threaded rod <laughs> and put boards together with threaded rod and epoxy, do you think they would have done that? Yeah. And the answer is yes, they would have bought plywood and threaded rod and epoxy, and they would have done that. That's right. And we are in this little cul-de-sac sometimes of like, what are we doing down here? You know, boiling cats and gluing stuff together with the old cat <laughs> you know, like cats. dude like we're in the modern world and i'll uh, tell you you can glue you know the whole you know long grain to long grain you know it, you know with yellow glue and you but i'll tell you you glue end grain to end grain with, with some the of the epoxies we've got yeah you can't break it apart and so and then you're 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 if you do a you know a mitophone epoxy yeah. Yeah, or that's thin enough you can stop the expansion around joints with thin epoxy and then thicken it up to glue the parts in. And so you can, with modern glues, you know, you can do stuff that you just couldn't do before. That's pretty so, cool. See, all, all that is, uh, is, is uh, evolution of craft, and I love that. You know, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be um, the same thing just, over and over regurgitated. I just use high glue. Right. <laughs> Right. It's, re- and, uh, it's, re- it's, not- it's reversible. <laughs> it's reversible. It is reversible. <laughs> and it's, 
it's pretty darn strong high glue too when it's mixed right. Yeah. So right. it's really you know it's there's not one there's not one glue that does it all. There's not one magical no. finish. No. You know. No. I definitely. I, I need to. I need to. You're inspired me to try some epoxy. You should, and you should get thickened epoxy. Yeah. 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 If I sent you a tub of this Epotech stuff. It, you know, it'd be like taking away your washer machine after we took, you know, like, no, I'm just going to go wash my clothes in the river again. I'm fine. Thanks. <laughs> you, know, you, get, you know, you get, you get so used to it. It's like, you've got this right. weapon in your arsenal that, you know, can just get you out of. That's pretty uh, cool. So, but it is, it is, your, it is not reversible. Like, and right. so we've had some well, curators of, who have who's pleaded with us? Don't your furniture is not restorable <laughs> um, because you're plasticizing it, and there's a point right. there. Like if it breaks, mm-hmm. you can't. Yeah, you're so. that. Yeah. Now, um, and and to deal with it too, it's not going to swell the joint. So if you're doing a mortise and tenon. That's right. It's not going to swell no it. It's, it acts like a lubricant. It's going to kind of just unbelievable. Yeah, it's cool. It changes your life. When you've done a large car, set of carcass dovetails and you beat them in and apart a couple of oh, times yeah. doing a dry fit and then you butter it up and it just goes, you're like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Like, That's right. What? So. what have I been doing all my life? What is the cure time on it, um, Tim? Well, it depends. You know, it depends, you know, with the stuff we're using, um, like eight hours, it turns into this plastic that you can kind of dent with your fingernail a little mm-hmm. bit and you can carve it off brilliantly at about 12 to 16 hours it becomes this pretty hardened uh plastic and then at 20 24 hours it is rock hard oh, and so this is like kind of co- this softest window it goes through where you can is, it, uh, is that like a clamp time you have to like you have to have it on for 24 yeah. hours and clamps eight eight hour you got to clamp eight hours okay. pretty much so it's overnight, overnight usually yeah. so you so. just you clamp up and then yeah. you just know that it's going to be yeah. tomorrow that that tomorrow. you're going to be yeah. tomorrow that's right messing with that's it. right yeah but i'll tell you i i love type one one i mean i just did this huge veneered tabletop which i could have done with all kinds of you know urea well the urea formaldehyde's gone but you know two right, parts or whatever stuff. i just i just Roll, I've had, you know, it's like, you know, there's so many variables in our world. What can go wrong with this and that? And I just know type bond one sticks wood together really well. It does, well. man. I know. And I, I love it. And so, I, you know, yeah. that's what I use. It's kind of crazy. I just did a bunch of veneer. I always love projects where you can experiment with stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I'm doing my Airstream. Uh, and in and out, but you know, balancing a few different things. But then my estuary, I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to use this and this, and I'm going to see what happens. And it's yeah, it's, <laughs> it's kind of a nice, you know. And let's not and be so romantic and just do it. Yeah, great about the school is we have so much freedom to try other things. They'll order right. us anything we want. We get input like, like polyurethane glue. I so turned out, you know, and like Gorilla Glue. I use it around the house for stuff, putting on trim, but. In furnishing, well, it's too foamy, but also it has no water in it. You know, Craig Thibodeau loves this mm-hmm. stuff, and he's yeah. a genius. So it's like right. there's got to be something to it. So we've I've been playing around with that too. And there's if you can control the foamy mess, like it's right. a really good glue too. Mm-hmm. Strong, I mean, really strong. <clears throat> so, but let's not waste too much more time on glue. I know, right? <laughs> Just lost everybody. <laughs> we, we, I know. No more, no more glue talk. No more glue talk. About- I'll tell you my, my last glue story is um, I was at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston, 
at uh, the where they were doing an exhibition of the second generation of studio craftsmen where academia is writing about. So there's um, Wendell Castle's on stage, uh, Gary Knox Bennett's there, Tom Hucker's there, Jerry Osgood, all these guys in the panel. And so Wendell Castle's on stage and in the audience, facetiously, Gary Knox Bennett says, so what type of glue do you use? And Wendell <laughs> Castle goes, flour and water. Flour you know? and, and water. Uh, <laughs> and that was... So that's the last on the glue talk. <laughs> that's the last on the glue talk. So you heard it from Tim, flour and water. Right, flour and water. It's good stuff. It's good, good stuff. stuff. How, how about, hey, so do you want to you, you plug your... your hey, hey, um, hang on. Hang on one sec, Ramon. Hang on. Okay. Hang, hang on, man. Slow your roll, buddy. Slow your roll. <laughs> Take wait. it easy. I, Take yeah, I, we were, I was hoping can... to plug whatever you wanted to plug, hey. so. We can. I think we can. With glue? I, I think we can go over flour and water. I think we can go over a little bit, you know, on on the time. I think I I'd like to hear a, a little bit about about your own work, um, Tim. I mean, we've talked a lot about the the teaching and that, and you've teaching. You've, we, we talked a little bit about your desk, and we talked about fine woodworking and the stuff that you've done with them. But the the yeah. studio, you know, the furniture work that that you do. I'd like to talk a little yeah. bit about that. I mean, that's that's your work. I mean, that's your personal, yeah. your personal yeah. stuff. So let's yeah. talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I don't. Um, you know, I. You know, I. Neither of my parents went to college. I grew up C's, D's, and F's in high school. Almost dropped out junior year. The only thing I have got was high school woodshop, and um, so I never went to college. I ended up getting a job installing Carsteros. Ended up owning my own business, doing high-end Carstero custom fabrication. That's you know, awesome. mo moving fuel tanks and fiberglassing and subwoofer enclosures and leather wrapped cars and you know, so lots of crazy high-end stuff, motorization and. I sold that business and moved to New York City and didn't know what I was going to do, but I always loved high school woodshop. And so I got a course catalog from the Center for Furniture Craftsmanship, the North Bennett Street School College of the Redwoods. I decided to come to the school here and I had a great experience in a two week class. But that being said, I had no did my I had never even heard of NPR growing up. Like my exposure, there was no music in it. My parents loved us to death, but there was like they never went to college. They didn't see the world. They're just like be good. Don't make a mess. Christmas is on the 25th. And like, that's what we do. You know, it's like, so when I, I got into this woodworking thing and here I am in a shop in New York city with Tom Hucker's got pieces in all these museums. I don't even know what the fucking Renwick gallery is. Like, what is that? Right. So, um, Yale private collection. I don't know. And so I'm like at this from a design side of the world, like I have no idea. Like I have owning a car stereo business and we have like the car for six hours. We got to build a subwoofer cabinet. We got to take the seats out. We got to run. Like I'm very good at managing products, projects and time and being creative. And, and so I could immediately get furniture built quickly to a high level. But this idea of what's it look like? How does it fit into an environment? I was just like looking at, you know, I'm looking at Chris Bexford stuff and Kevin Rodell, something like Shaker Arts and Crafts. I didn't know what. And so it's taken me a long time to start to create work that I feel like this is what I like. And what I've come to like is well-made, simplistic in form furniture that as you start to sit with it, you start to realize, oh, there's more to this. Like the table that yeah. I'm making now is everything. So the legs are curved, the aprons are curved, under the aprons are curved, the, the, they're integral tenons with curved shoulders so the taper can be 
curved all the way up through the leg. And it's like, if you don't know what you're looking at, like you wouldn't even notice it, but then there's just a quality to that. And that's what draws me in. And so um, mm-hmm. the other thing that I love is I love the process of making something. So having this idea, going through the design phase, which ends up in some type of drawing phase, which in, goes into some type of selecting material phase, which then goes into the beginning of like making jigs or whatever, then the building phase. And then there's the, you know, making parts, putting it together, applying the finish, and then it goes out into the world phase. And then I start the loop again. And it's, I don't really give a shit about the work once it's done. To me, I just love the process of going, having the idea going through. And then at the end, I see the pro, the, the fruition of the idea. And then that just kind of goes into the can and it gets rattled around for the next one. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's, there's nothing like experience in time. Like you cannot get over that, like no amount of education or, uh, staying up late nights will get you the same experience of, you know, when you stand up quick under a table, you hit your head. And until you do that, you don't really have an understanding of it. And so the same thing with like, we joke about putting things together with glue. Like you see an old dude come in and this thing is not, you're, you're the young person and this cannot, you're not getting it together. Then somebody comes in and says, get, give me this, this, and this. And like, they just put it to, you know, get the I-beam clamps or clamping it down to the bench and boom, it comes. It's like, oh, that's how you do that. Like oh, now, you man. know, and, and until, so the same with the work is like going through the loop. Uh, the, I, you know, I, I make a piece, I look at the piece, I see what could, I, to me, like, I'm never like completely satisfied like it can be a little bit different i'd make that a little bit and that's what i think makes this interesting is that there's no winning the game you know it's just right, can, right. Keep, keep keep evolving um and what i really like now is seeing the work in people's homes like when you go to somebody's place and they're like you know i made this woman a kind of uh, bird's eye maple room divider with glass doors and uh, she wrote me a letter like a year and a half later. She's like, I just love this. I walk into my living room every day and I see this piece and I have my tea there in the morning and I love it. And like mm-hmm. um, to, you know, to, to hear that, um, you know, to me, that's that's kind of what I'm uh, I'm going for. You know, and the, the truth is for me, where I've taught all, all my career, I've taught about five months a year. So I, you know, I can only you can only make so much work in uh, a year as one person. And then when, you know, I'm teaching five months out of the year, uh, at the school, plus I'm doing fine woodworking greatest. Plus I did tons of work on built my own workshop, built my own house, you know? Uh, so you take all of those, plus you have three kids, like there's right. only so many hours in the day. Yeah, and so yeah. I, I, I look, I look at people who have been makers who haven't had the kids who haven't owned the home, who have just been in studios and compare my body of work to that body of work. And sometimes I'd wish like, Oh, I wish I had more, time to get to these ideas that uh i've got rattling around in there but uh you can you know we make these choices that will only allow so much you know and what i've what i've had at the school i would never pass up the learning and the people that i've met there you know to have 50 extra pieces in my portfolio so it's it's uh, amazing yeah that's that's cool i mean i mean the work that i I haven't seen all of your work, Tim, by any means. But I mean, 
it just seems like all the work that I have seen of yours, I've just really appreciated. It just, oh yeah, yeah, just you know, I, and I think, and I think, you know, your summary, you know, what what you're talking about is why that work is is why I'm attracted to your work. It's because Absolutely. that stuff goes into it, <laughs> and and it's you know, and, and those are all those are all darn good things to have go into, yeah, go into yeah. it. So, yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, Beautiful thanks. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, Ramon, you want to do the plug thing? <laughs> <laughs> He's scared. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut out you. at him again. Uh, <laughs> that would be for Tim. Yeah. To plug. Yeah. Yeah. So, What's going yeah, on, no, that's Tim? A, that was uh, <laughs> that was very interesting. I'm glad you. Uh, I'm glad we stopped short there. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that you want to announce, yeah. Tim, or um, your website? Oh, yeah. teaching gigs oh, my website's up. pretty I, anemic. No, I. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I should. I'm. I'm terrible at uh, my electronic we, end of the world. We all are. Yeah. How, how have you done? Yeah. How have, uh, but now, what are your feelings on on the promotion side of things? Um, you know, and promoting and promoting your work Bef- before we do the plug thing. You know, <laughs> hold another time. <laughs> well, the promoting of work. I mean, I well, think that's that's well, always a that, that's a tough thing, man. It's a mm-hmm. uh, it's a tough thing. What what I've realized is furniture is a is a three year decision. You know, people do not just like go in and buy a piece of furniture right off the top of their. You know, they see it and they buy it. Yeah, and right. so like. So like on Instagram, like I think what, you know, Ramon, you're doing sell the domino docs and things like that. Like those are things that that's an object that can be made. People buy it. It's out the door. Right. Or you. um, But the furniture is a whole nother thing that it is not like a when I used to sell car stereos, I could run an ad for uh, two speakers and a radio installed for one ninety nine or a cell phone for ninety nine cents or whatever. And if I run a TV spot or a radio spot, I know I'm going to sell X amount this week. And I'd order in and I'd sell them. But it's not like that with furniture. It's a long yeah. decision. Mm-hmm. And so um, the promotion end of it, I have kind of like having tried magazine advertisings and all different other events is when the people are ready to pull the trigger, they pull the trigger. Um, they've got to usually see it. Um, so uh, that being said, I, I could I could absolutely do much better getting my work out there for people to see um, and to uh, to plug plug my uh, myself more that way. But um, uh, so no, I I don't have like a, a unified um, marketing front. You know, I'm kind of with with the teaching and the amount of work that I have now is you know enough to keep me going. And right. if I was to get more work, I would need to back off the teaching and maybe get a helper, and um, which is something I think about from time. Maybe after this five-year stint at the school, uh, might uh, ramp up a little bit more. But uh, sign, sign me up. Well, I'll be the. <laughs> well, I love it. That would be great. It would be great to share a shop with you guys. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Well, speak, so speaking of your website and those other things, why, why, let's let's hear the let's hear the plug. <laughs> well, I I don't I don't have much. I mean, in spite of myself, I've got a few people that follow me on Instagram. Not like you guys, but I haven't I haven't posted there in a long time. Which I uh, I've moved into a new larger shop uh, closer to the coast, so there's uh, been a lot of change on that end. So I get the new position at the school. I've got a new workshop, um, and so there's been a, 
some things I've been trying yeah, to get some energy together to post about. And so what I thought um, maybe, you know, with this podcast going on, it might be good to start to put some more pictures up and get, get rolling again there. Um, Love to see more of your work. Absolutely. Well, let's see if I can make that happen. So <laughs> I, I don't know, you know, I think about this, you guys, it's like, how do it, I find it takes me so much extra time to like put the brakes on, set up for a picture, try yeah. to put together a feed it's and a I don't want to do it poorly. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if I don't know if I want to do it. Like, don't, I know this would be a good like. I, I wouldn't overthink it. That's for sure. But I think all, all of us have backed off a fair bit on yeah. Instagram. Like, I I don't post like I used to, and it's it's just it, it is it, a lot of it's, it's hard. <laughs> I want to just stay yeah. in my shop and be focused on the work I have. Right. Mm-hmm. Like but, Ramon, um, your stuff yeah. is great. Like the content that you put out, I'm like. Just fantastic. Yeah. It's so it is a challenge though to to stay on top and, and you know, to be engaged with uh right. the people that are, you know, checking out your stuff. It's it's just a lot of work, it's very time consuming. Right. No, and you have an yeah. end game plan there too. You, you you've got some books coming out, you got I mean, so that's all gonna lead to help you promote that. So it's uh yeah, it's 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 just another tool. It's a tool, but, yeah. But Absolutely. people can check out your videos at Fine Woodworking, right? You have to be a member, I guess. Um, yeah, some are some are free, some are not. Um, right. I, I can't remember what's what's what what's behind the paywall now or not. Uh, and your, so, your website is timothyrusso.com, correct? Yep, timothyrusso.com. Okay. Like I said there's there's not much on there, but um, and and the stuff that and, uh, and, the, and the videos that you do have that are, are behind the paywall are are well worth it. <laughs> I, I, I've had, oh, a, yeah. I've had a, a membership from before. Now they've got that ultimate membership deal going on. The, the well, ultimate. I'm not, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm grandfathered in still from, from before. And I've watched, you know, your videos were fantastic. I mean, there's great, great tricks well, thank, and thank different you. things. Um, I can, I can remember watching, um, Oh, you were doing tenon tenon work on the bandsaw. You were doing, you know, the little the little side um, like nightstands, right? Was that one of the ones? Right, the frame and panel nightstands. Yeah, yeah it was the first thing I ever did for them. Yeah, yeah. and that, yeah. that's a great series. Yeah, just to you know, no, there's a, I, I've gotten a lot of good. You know, it's interesting to get feedback from people you've never met. See from from you know Korea sends you pictures of a eastern hall table that i made and was uh, put a made a video of and it's like these you know it's crazy how people actually watch these videos and make this <laughs> yeah, stuff yeah. you know it's like right. it's crazy cool. it's crazy awesome. and uh um so you know they've been they've, it's been very good to me and it's i think it's a good way it's the best way for me you know writing i'm a deplorable writer you know so to write articles i'm like guys just just come and make a video i am so much better to just tell you how to do it <laughs> sure try to write how to do it so that's awesome. No, but yeah, you could, there's a, there's a bunch of, there's probably, I don't know, there's a lot of videos there now. So. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and C, uh, CFC's Instagram page, it's not, what is it called? It's, um, Wood, it's Wood, Wood School, School Maine. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So and, yeah, that, that's, uh, if, if people are not following that, they definitely should be following that. Yeah. Some really yeah. amazing and work. Amazing people. Yeah. yeah. It's good stuff going on there. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, Tim, we we really appreciate having you on. But you know, we were yeah. you know, we had 
I, I mentioned it at the beginning of the show, and I'll, I'll mention it again. You know, we were all three of us were, were really excited when oh, you, yeah. you know, when uh, you know when we suckered you into doing this thing with us. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, not at all. I was like, he I said yes. yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of that's course. What, that's what yeah. the conversation was like. He, he's not going to do our stupid show. <laughs> of course, I. You know, I'm always <laughs> watching what you guys are doing. I really. Um, I really I'll always check out what you're what you're doing. Oh, I loved when you did all those windows in that place, Ben. Like, oh, oh yeah, you know, I learned a ton, a ton from that. So um, from all you guys, you know, we all learn from each other. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, that's that's the beauty of it. It's yeah. just a, it's a it's an evolution. Yeah. You know, it's it's no different than what's yeah. going on at the school. It's no different than, you know, if you yeah. stay in the game. You know, it just it just evolves, and that's. You know, one of the mm-hmm. one of the best things about it is that there isn't an end. You don't get, you don't reach a no. finish line. You just, no. right. you just get to no. keep going. Right. Yeah. There's a, on that note, there was a, a documentary about the League of New Hampshire Craftsmen, which is one of the most successful craft organizations in the country. And there was a potter at the end who said this. He said, um, you know, most of my friends are just retiring and I just feel like I'm starting to get good. And I'm like, <laughs> That's pretty cool. I totally get it. You know, I'm like, at, you know, at, I've only got a, 18 months and I'm out that thing. It's like, no way. You know, like <laughs> this is what we do until we're done, you know? Yeah. So, yep. <laughs> That's awesome. Pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Well, right on. Well, I think they, uh, thanks, well, thanks so much. Appreciate Tim. It. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks so much, Tim. I think that's probably a, a good right. spot. To, it's a good spot to end it. Ramon, you want to head us out? <laughs> yeah. Right on, guys. That, how cool was that? Hey, thanks a ton, Tim. I we really appreciate you. You know, sharing your time on our show. So it was it was fantastic. And thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Woodworkers Podcast. We certainly appreciate it. And you all know the gig. If you have any questions about this show or past shows, topic suggestions for future shows, just drop us a line. And that's info at woodworkerspodcast.com. And so on behalf of Ben Brunick, Philip Morley, and the incredibly talented and funny Timothy Russo, I'm Ramon Valdez, and we'll see you again right here on the next episode of Woodworkers Podcast. Thanks a ton, guys. Ciao. Take it yeah, easy. Thank Thanks, you. Tim. Yeah, thanks. Thank- yeah, great talking with you all. Thanks so much, Tim. Bye. Really appreciate it. Yep.